Good morning, everyone. So happy second week of Advent. And I am very excited because now is the time where we get to light the Advent candles. So this month, we're leaning into the season by hearing stories from the Bible, stories from our community, and taking time for reflection and meditation. And a part of that is lighting candles. I feel like this is backwards. Just a minute. <laughs> the third one is for the third week. There we go. All righty. So last week we lit a candle. And it was to signify a spiritual practice that we were leaning into, waiting. This week... We are lighting the second candle to signify the second spiritual practice for this week, and it's preparing. And as we light this candle, we prepare for fuller brightness that is to come and to recognize what has already been brought to our lives. So now, in the second week of Advent, we're going to look at this theme of preparing. Here is story one for the second week, the story of Elizabeth, taken from the first chapter of Luke, verses 5 through 45. There once was a young woman among the people of Israel, her name was Elizabeth. Elizabeth came from a family of priests, and her husband, Zechariah, was also a priest. Elizabeth and Zechariah grew old together. They loved God and followed God's law carefully. They were both very old unable to get pregnant, so they didn't have children. One day, Zechariah came home from the temple, unable to speak. Through his gestures and silence, Elizabeth realized that her husband had an encounter with an angel. Elizabeth wondered what it all meant. A short time later, Elizabeth became pregnant. Elizabeth and her husband were in awe because they were so old. Zachariah still could not speak, but Elizabeth praised God and said, How kind is my God. We have prayed and waited for so long, and now he has heard our prayer. Elizabeth stayed home in quiet for five months to prepare for the child to be born. And in the quiet, God prepared Elizabeth for the baby. God told her the baby was to be named John. God told her John would grow up and become great in the eyes of God, preparing people for the coming Messiah. While she was in quiet preparation, Elizabeth was visited by a young relative named Mary. And she, too, was pregnant with a child. When the baby in Elizabeth's womb heard Mary's voice, the baby jumped with joy, and Elizabeth was also filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. And she said, 
How is God so kind to me that I am visited by the mother of my Lord? How amazing is it that the Son of God has come to visit me? Let's take a moment of quiet and stillness to reflect on today's story. And here's two questions that might help you reflect. What caught your attention as you listened to the story? What were the feelings evoked by it? And why? Take just a few minutes to reflect. Good morning. Um, I am Caroline, one of the pastors at the river. Um, it's really great to have you today this morning. So as uh, Sarah and John mentioned, we're currently in the season of Advent. Advent is the four-week period leading up to Christmas, traditionally set apart as a time to wait and prepare for Christmas when we celebrate the coming of Christ. This year at the river, we are walking through the stories of Christmas together as we think about four themes, waiting, preparing, trusting, and following. So the first week was waiting, and today it's preparing. Um, We hope this will be an experience for all of us to explore and reflect on the two questions for our lives which are, what am I, what am I waiting for? And also, how am I waiting? Last Sunday was the first Sunday of Advent, and we heard the story of Anna the prophetess who waited and waited for years and years for the Messiah to come and free her people and reflected on the theme, waiting. We took time um, for ourselves Um, to ask, what am I waiting for? In what way am I still waiting for God to show up? What are the areas in my life that I feel powerless and voiceless and can really use God's help? Today, on the second Sunday of Advent, we want to talk about preparing because how we wait for what we're waiting for is also important. How can we wait well? What does it mean for us to prepare for a new season, even as we wait in uncertainty? What does this, prepare, uh, what does this preparation look like for each of us? So Sarah today opened the message by reading us the story of Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist. The story is all about preparation, in that one John the Baptist, his role was to prepare the way for um, the Messiah, prepare the way for, um, and for people's hearts. But also that Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah and Mary, the mother of Jesus, they were, they're all waiting and preparing for their babies in the story. And they're also preparing for the promise of Messiah to come and free their people. 
The story is also about how God is preparing the world to receive Jesus, God's chosen one. He's about to come, and these people in the story are the first to hear, the first to be prepared. It is not only the women in the story who are pregnant, but the whole creation is pregnant with something new. Something amazing is about to happen. What is most remarkable about the story for me is the women's voices in it. The Bible is an old book. It is written in the male-dominant culture thousands of years ago in male voices and perspectives. It doesn't feature a lot of women characters. And because um, women during this time were not considered fully human, they were considered uh, men's property. But the story of Jesus opens with strong and loud voices of women, uncharacteristically. So, for example, in today's story, with Elizabeth, uh, with Elizabeth and Mary, it is one of the only stories that I could think of in the Bible that passed the Bechtel test. Have you heard of the Bechtel test? It's one of those uh, simple tests. Um, a cartoonist, I think, came up with it uh, to see if a movie will pass this kind of um, um, sort of um, women inclusivity tests, right? So there are three rules. The movie has to have at least two women in it. It's a pretty low bar. <laughs> and who talk to each other. They have to talk to each other. And um, they have to talk about something um, other than a man. And there are very few movies that test this, uh, pass this test, actually, and almost no Bible stories <laughs> pass this test, unfortunately. There are women, you know, uh, there are very rarely two women in a Bible story, I think. I haven't done a thorough research, so, you know, don't um, quote me on this. But uh, even when there are two women, they often talk about like Rachel and Leah or Sarah and um, Haggai. They're always competing and sort of bickering about uh, their husband's affection. So these two women characters in a story, um, so that's a kind of a interesting beginning that we, um, we are, we are oh, we've just heard. And not only that, Elizabeth in the story praises God and speaks up. She has like several long lines in the story. In NRSV translation of the scripture, it says, when Elizabeth sees Mary come and visit her, that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and exclaimed with a loud cry. She exclaimed with a loud cry, and no one is scolding her for it. She's loud, and appropriately so. On the other hand, her husband, Zechariah, who's a priest, is struck mute. 
he was unable to speak um, for the whole duration of the pregnancy. That's, that's the, that part of the story is also interesting, the Zacharias part of the story, and you will get to hear that as um, part of our this week's Advent Audio Daily Reflection. And also in the same way, Mary too speak, also speaks up in the story they will get to hear next week. She prophesies and praises God with such authority. But Joseph, her husband is silent in all the stories. He doesn't speak a single line in the whole Bible, even in the stories where he is the main character. Another noteworthy detail is that the story of Jesus also ends with women characters being the first witnesses and the proclaimers of his resurrection. So why is that? Why does our scripture start the story of Messiah with the burst of women's voices and perspectives and makes the men silent when it's been the other way around for thousands of years? Well, maybe partly that's why. <laughs> Isn't that an interesting question? Doesn't that sound like something we got to pay attention to? I think so, because this is also how God is preparing us to meet and receive Jesus. So what is God telling us? Well, God is telling us that in the new kingdom of God that is being ushered in, Women are included as full participants, as receivers of his blessing, as leaders, as prophets, as full partners. And by extension, all groups who were excluded before are included fully. People of all races, people of all gender Spectrum and orientation, the elderly, the children, poor and sick, immigrants, those with disabilities, those with jobs that people look down upon. They're all included as full participants in God's kingdom. Because God's kingdom is the kingdom of love and justice and abundance. There's enough for everyone. There's no need to keep anyone out and guard the doors in case we don't get what we need. Everyone is included. And this means, this means that all of us, those who are waiting for God to show up, to strengthen us, to bring us justice, all of us who want to enter the kingdom of God need to be okay with this. We need to be able to believe in this new vision of God's world. Because this is God's vision and this is the only way God is going to show up for us. And if we are to embrace this vision, we need to learn to believe in God's abundance. 
because how can we include everyone if we are afraid that we're going to run out? We can wholeheartedly embrace this new vision of God's kingdom if we can really believe that there is enough for everyone. Preparing for God's new kingdom means learning to believe in and live out of God's abundance. And that includes being generous with space and time and resources we have with others. Instead of always competing and striving for more, always accumulating and hoarding for later. We give up that habit and we try to give space and time for those who were excluded before. We pay attention and listen to the voices of those who didn't have a voice before, including hearing this amazing good news of the coming Messiah through women's voices. We prepare for God's abundance in our lives by believing it for others, for everyone. We prepare to receive Christ and his new kingdom by choosing to be generous and to include. The two women in the story seem to understand this deeply. That the new kingdom is a kingdom of different kind. That all are invited to it, them included. And there is enough for everyone. They prepare for this new kingdom, a new season, by embracing each other, listening to each other, building each other up, and becoming partners in the new kingdom, as this painting captures so beautifully. That's the young Mary and Elizabeth embracing each other, and their babies in their wombs meet Jesus and John the Baptist meeting together. They spend three months together, loving and caring for each other, preparing for what's to come, really breaking um, out of the mold of the biblical stories where women always fight for each other, fight each other, because they live in the world of scarcity. But these women have entered the world of abundance. There's no need to guard our shares from each other, from others in in God's kingdom. Neither of these women were thinking, how can I make sure my child has a better future than the others? And Zechariah, who was a priest, who had the privileged position in the old order of the temple, was struck mute for nine months. And in this involuntary silence, he must have listened to these women, watched them, and was prepared for the new kingdom. How, then, are we to prepare? What would it look like for us to prepare for God's abundance? It will look different from person to person. 
and we will take time to reflect on these questions today later. But first, I've asked Lena and Chris um, to share their reflections on their seasons of preparation. I believe their stories will lead us into deeper understanding of what might be required of us. So let me invite Lena up. morning. So Caroline asked me to share today, clearly, because I'm standing up here, um, about my current season of uncertainty. So up until she had asked me, I hadn't really put a name to this particular heaviness that I'd been feeling for the last several months. So I'm going to backtrack a bit so you guys can have a little bit of history. So I've had several seasons of uncertainty sprinkled with bits of hardship. Eight years ago, I relocated back to New York, divorced, broken, broke, leaving behind three young teenagers in Florida with their father. I've quit a full-time job to care for a dying grandparent. I've taken on assisting an aging parent. And for financial reasons, I've had to move in with my sister and her family, not once, but twice. And we're both still alive. So So, when Charles talked about dreaming and pursuing the deepest desires of our hearts in his sermon way back in March of 2014, you can imagine the sense I had of, yes, I knew it. I'm supposed to do this. I felt this definite, definite confirmation to respond to this pulling urge that I had. It was my green light to take action and pursue something that I'd been wanting to do for me. Because up until that point, I'd been doing everything for everyone else. So I went back to school to become a jewelry designer, earning yet another degree and more financial debt. So in each of my prior situations, there was always this heaviness of responsibility, um, that dread of the unknown, and I was scared and uncomfortable. But also the confidence that this was part of a bigger plan that would unfold and eventually reveal itself was just there. It was just, you know, how can I deny it? I was being responsible also, doing the right thing. Who can argue with that, right? But going back to school for almost two years to get a degree in jewelry design, like, but for the first time, I I didn't know how long, I felt like it was a personal response to just do me, to shine and to be happy with a decision that perhaps only I could appreciate. But lately, it's been feeling like more of a burden. Jewelry designer, really, we need another one of those. Sounds so superficial. It made me wonder how much of this pursuit was my own arrogance and how little of it was God cheering me on from the sidelines. Because, you know, I have a lot of conversations in my head that kind of play out really weird. So I feel like I heard God say, 
You do you, girl. You go. I got you. We got this. But the longer I'm in the season of uncertainty, I'm thinking maybe God really said, um, okay. <laughs> you do you, I guess, because that's what you seem to be doing anyway. This should be some of the happiest moments of my life. And I've had a few. But they were almost always followed with such crushing disappointments that I've I've had days where I've kind of felt emotionally paralyzed. I didn't know how to feel, so I just didn't. I couldn't put words to it, so I didn't. Or when I did put words to it, it just felt really inadequate. Like, I just couldn't come up with the right description for it. And it just added to my levels of frustration. So, as I was obsessing over having to speak today, and not being able to find the right words to describe my feelings, I lost my nerve. And that's kind of hard for me to do, for those of you who know me. I'm pretty bold. So, Tuesday night, I texted Caroline to tell her I couldn't speak. We texted back and forth. She asked if I wanted to talk on the phone the next day. I texted yes when I really meant to text no. Because, you know, my lunch is only an hour and I wanted to sit in my misery. And then she did the whole pastor thing, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And I was like, "Mm, okay, whatever. But because it's Caroline, I texted, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And I think I put a heart emoji next to it, you know. So the next day we spoke, I poured out everything as well as I could, and then I cried. There was finally this word for that pressing feeling. It was judgment. I had been allowing myself to feel angry and vulnerable, but judgment, that's like a whole other ballgame, right? Judgment is this feeling that makes you rethink all of your choices and those things that influence them. Judgment reminds you of all your mistakes, especially if you're still waiting for that payoff in your current season. Judgment is difficult when you imagine it coming from others, but sitting in judgment of yourself is worse. But now that I've named it, I'm closer to letting it go. In my season of waiting and preparing, these feelings of discomfort and hurt have not been easy, But finally being able to recognize and release them has been a relief. It's made room for me to see God working in my life. It's allowed me to put one foot in front of the other and to do life one day at a time. Am I supposed to introduce somebody? Hi, I'm Chris. I'm glad she was so funny. Because this is not. Um, Okay, so since moving to New York from Boston nine and a half years ago, uh, it's been a story of ups and downs in my career. I started in Boston at a law firm, and we moved here with a a one-and-a-half-year-old Avery in 2009 in order for me to attend law school while I worked at the same firm out of the New York office. But what I really wanted to do was to shift into finance. 
You may recall the dark days of the financial crisis in 2008 and 9. Well, it was the beginning of 2008 when I finally figured out what I wanted to do with my life professionally. Uh, that is to become a biotech investor. Uh, but getting a job during that period was not a viable option. So from 2008 to 2010, a little over two years, I had to wait to finally make the change. Uh, at present, and in the last year and a half, twice I've been out of work for extended periods of time for different reasons, both beyond my control. Uh, since June of this year, I've been spending lots of time with my family and enjoying life as a dad, but every day the feeling of uncertainty uh, of what comes next uh, weighs upon me. Uh, it's tough for me to say no to things for my kids, whom I have no intention of spoiling, uh, who are quite active and curious, and who I think should be exposed to a variety of activities. Uh, I can worry that I'm not giving them my best. Uh, for three kids who share a room and sleep on a stacked triple bunk bed, they're actually doing okay, but in my heart, I really hate this uncertainty, and I want to be able to say yes more. Uh, my wife, Amy, has been more than understanding and patient with me through this process, uh, but I really long to line up that babysitter who can stay with the kids for five days while we go relax and see, a wor see the world for a bit. Uh, I worry how I would feel if some of these dreams never happen uh, and how I'd feel about myself being the cause of these unfulfilled wishes. Uh, at present, my business partner and I are in the early stages of trying to start our own investment fund. Uh, this is simultaneously very exciting and frightening. Uh, I have very little doubt it will happen, but the question is when it can actually get off the ground. Uh, I'm not in a position to be able to afford to go a full year without pay, uh, so I need God to come through one way or another. You could say, why don't I just go out and get a job rather than take on the risk of trying to start something new? Uh, my response would be, I have tried, but to no avail so far. Uh, although I'm actually glad about that, um, I think this new thing is just the thing I want uh, and what I'm made for. Uh, moreover, all the feedback I've received from people, uh, either people in the industry or not, and certainly including people in this community, has been, go for it. Uh, in particular, I was highly encouraged during our retreat in August uh, for those who went, you may remember our time of listening prayer when we broke into groups and took turns listening for God's encouragement for each person. I felt like God spoke directly through each of the four guys in my group that day. He let me know that he sees me and my family, knows our wants and desires, and will make things work for us. I wrote down all the things that were shared, and I refer to them frequently. And I'll always remember that powerful time. Uh, on a daily basis, I go through emotional ups and downs. During the positive times, I feel excited to be on a journey that's requiring a lot of faith. When I wake up, when I lay down to sleep, I ask for God's provision and strength. Uh, I feel that I have more patience with our kids. And in fact, the other day, uh, in the middle of the day, I picked up a book of poetry and read a poem about summer. It was as peaceful a moment as I've had recently. In the harder times, I have to remind myself not to compare myself with others, not to think, okay, so I'm at this age, so I should be at such and such a level, uh, I should have these options, and my kids should be able to do these number of things. I have to ask for God's help and presence before succumbing to a sense of dread or shame. Um, believing there's a better future ahead is a daily effort, 
and I wrestle with it every hour. Uh, sometimes you have no choice but to just believe, uh, although I think it's a helpful lesson. So as I prepare, prepare for a new professional reality, I want to carry forward all the learning I've had from these periods of uncertainty. I think it's going to be a fun and faith-filled future. Uh, I know it will be. Thank you. Thank you, Lena and Chris, for sharing. Waiting without knowing is hard. Dreaming and hoping for something better without certainty can be painful. But like Chris said, sometimes there's no other option than believing. These are the stories that many of us can relate to. What can help us in this uh, space of uncertainty, perhaps, is to remember that God's kingdom includes everyone. No one is left out. Others are not left out. And that means I am not left out. You are not left out. So as we remember that, God's abundant life and love for us all. Let's take some time to reflect on preparing for our, our own lives. What does it mean for you to prepare for God's promise, God's abundance? What does it mean for you to believe that you too are included in God's new kingdom? What does it look like for you to prepare for a new season, even in uncertainty? What might that look like for your daily lives? So there are a couple of questions that we will put it up here on the slide. What does it mean for us, for you, to prepare as we wait for God to come through? What does it look like? for you to prepare for a new season, even in uncertainty. Let's take a few minutes to think about this for our lives. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for your abundance. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you that you leave no one out. Thank you that all are invited and included and embraced in your kingdom. And as we remember that amazing news, I pray that you would speak to us clearly about where each of us are at in our own lives. What would it look like for us to really believe that and live out of the abundance that you have for us. Jesus' name, amen.